My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Elio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week we will introduce our topics, lay topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I producer Maria. Melissa, who are our lovely patrons for today? We've got Jane, Alicia, Tyler, Tatum, Connor, and Jana. Hi, guys. Welcome to the team. Do you think Tatum is Channing Tatum? Yeah. Well, I was going to say Tatum O'Neill, but funny you say Channing Tatum. Well, that's why I thought uh, our episode today, you'll hear what it's about and you'll hear why I think it might be Channing Tatum. <laughs> Today's episode, I am so excited. There is a new documentary on our favorite streaming <laughs> platform, Discovery Plus. About- you guys love Discovery. <laughs> I, you guys, like, I'm on the text it's chain with them. So I don't have good. Discovery Plus, and so I'm like out of these conversations. It's like crazy the amount of Discovery Plus content these two watch. They, there's so much. There's like thousands. I, th- I feel like there's a hundred thousand documentaries <laughs> on Discovery <laughs> Plus. There's a hundred thousand documentaries. There's a hundred thousand 90 day fiance spinoffs. Yeah. It's the only streaming platform you need. We are not sponsored by them. <laughs> we are not. But if you work for Discovery Plus, please sponsor our podcast. 
anyways, there is a new documentary called The Curse of Chippendales. I had a podcast planned for today, and then I saw this documentary, and I said, hold up. I got to do it on this instead. Wait, I have a, I have a sound effect for that. Oh, my God. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Fair warning, we we got sound sound machines. Uh Melissa was smart enough to just download an app that was probably free to her phone. I bought one on Am I bought a sound machine on Amazon because I'm a grandma and like didn't even think of that. <laughs> Anyways, so I watched the documentary not once but twice yesterday. It's four episodes. Here we go. Did you know that Chippendales isn't just about hot swinging dongs? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, its origins are a corrupt business that both thrilled and killed. This Ooh. episode involves Chippendales, lots of cocaine, grannies on girls' nights out, hitmen with needles of cyanide. God. Yeah, competing male exotic dance clubs, the FBI, and more. Let's get into it. I don't have a boing on mine. I do. <laughs> oh. Perfect. You hear that, Apple Apple Podcast? You want to put that on your top, top 100? Perfect. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> all right. That was all written. By the way, that's written into my show notes. Play part of It's Raining Men. Okay. So Chippendales, one of the most bizarre murders and murder for hire plots in the history of the FBI. An FBI informant literally says this in the documentary. Damn, I got to watch this. You haven't yet? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> it like came out yesterday and I watched it five times and I'm surprised someone hasn't watched it once. <laughs> so I was really surprised about how Chippendales originated. Originally, it was just a room. It kind of looked like a ballet studio almost. Uh, it was in an empty, empty club. The men would dance in the middle and the women would sit around at the sides of the dance floor and cheer them on there was no choreography nothing like that it was a dance competition of sorts where the men would come out kind of freestyle sexy dance and whoever got the most applause at the end would win what year was this like the 80s it was the 80s. Or 70s. 80s. Yeah, that feels very 80s. The men would kiss the women. There was touching. There was groping. When Chippendale started, there was absolutely no rules. It was a lawless land. Women would come every night, every weekend for girls' night out. There was a clip in the documentary a retirement home, a group of 80-year-old women in wheelchairs came one Hell night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know what's up. Uh, it, it was incredible when it first started. There's a woman named Dance, Nancy Deneen. She was a regular. They ended up marrying the dancer, one of the dancers. It was the place to be when it first started. It wasn't an activity that you do once in your life. It was a hot spot for women. Because the 1970s were a sexual age, both sexual, in, <laughs> sexual, 
both in attitude and activities. There was drinking and drugs. The pill had just been invented. So there was a lot of. Oh, yeah. There was just a lot of promiscuity. The women's movement was starting. There was disco. So it was the perfect time for a male strip club. And it was the debauchery. Yes. And it was the first of its kind. If you think about it from the beginning of time, there's always been female burlesque, female exotic dancers Mm -hmm. for the entertainment of men. Now it was time during this women's liberation, this great idea by this man, Steve Bangery, who we'll get into, was like, I know how to make the big bucks. Let's start catering towards women. Steve was from Bombay. He came to America with the American dream. He owned a nightclub called Destiny 2, which became quite popular. It was the only club in LA that was open until four in the morning. Oh, dang. Right. So people would flock there. Most clubs in Los Angeles close at two. Mm. So everyone would go there for after hours. And Steve's dream in life was to be the next Hugh Hefner. In the 70s and 80s, Hugh was the guy to be. Uh And Steve came to America from India being like, Hugh is who I want to be. He grew up in India watching Magnum P.I. or all the shows there. (laughs) Tom Selleck, white men with mustaches who always got women. He thought that that's what life was in America. So that's what the not, proto- not wrong. <laughs> uh, exactly. So that's what the prototype for Chippendales was based on. They all had, did they all have mustaches? At first, yes, because they were all modeled after the men that Steve saw that's on funny. TV, who he thought women in America found, were, found attractive. So everyone had mustaches. Everyone looked like Tom Selleck at first. The club was super busy Wednesday, Friday, and Saturdays. Those were the big first days. And they needed the other nights to get busy. And Steve was thinking, what can I do to make every night at Destiny 2 busy? So at first, he started female mud wrestling. And of course, that made Destiny 2 a little bit more busy because who doesn't love female mud wrestling, as Maria knows? But (laughs) that wasn't... That yeah, wasn't Maria. The, yeah, as Maria has experience with. That wasn't that's actually where Maria has been now that she's not in LA. She's had a really long tournament. <laughs> it's been a she really keeps long. winning. She keeps winning. She, she keeps winning. winning. I don't know what to do. Yeah, she can't get out. She's stuck. But that wasn't the key to success, he realized. So in 1979. Steve calls a lawyer in for a meeting saying, what could we do to make more money that's legal and fun and will get more people in the door? And this guy, Paul Snyder, also enters the picture. Paul is this Canadian dude who's hot on the L.A. scene. He wants to be a promoter. Everyone knows what club promoters are like. The lawyer thinks that Paul is a con man, slimy guy. Paul Snyder pitches the idea of a male strip show where the men strip for the women. 
Hell yeah. He says, no men are allowed to come and watch. This is just for women to let loose, get away for them, their husbands, for single women to go out together for bachelorette parties. This is a free space for women to explore their sexuality and for men to be their fantasy. Paul says that he will run it and take care of everything. And Steve says, sure, let's give it a try. It was an immediate hit. The first night, it was almost sold out. The next time, it was 100% sold out. And soon, it was over capacity. And this was all in L.A.? Yes, their first one was in, it was on Overland, I believe. So their capacity is 300. They were fitting 600 people. Oh, that's a COVID nightmare. A COVID (laughs) nightmare, thank God. (laughs) Yes. Then it becomes so popular, they say, let's do this mail review every single night because that's how we're making our money. So they decide to not have Destiny 2 be a club anymore. They change it to Chippendale's male exotic dancing all the time how do you know how th- where the term chippendale came girl from? i sure do wow this is what i'm about to get into <laughs> oh okay. Chip- chippendales i was so surprised gets its name from chippendales furniture let me tell you what oh. that is not the not the chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, not not Chippendale. What not came the first? Chippendales or Chippendale? <laughs> Chippendale is a furniture style that was created in the 18th century. Oh, from the English cabinet maker Thomas Chippendale. Hmm. The term Chippendale specifically refers to English furniture of the 1750s and 60s. Made in a modified Rococo style. Oh, yeah. I just Googled some images. It's like stuff my grandma has. Now, what's so bizarre about this, though, is that Steve Bangery named the club Chippendales now because apparently that was the type of furniture that was inside the club. Oh, Weird to name a club after, (laughs) oh, there's like a Baroque chair. We're going to call this Baroques. Yeah. Not the worst name. It's not Baroques. If it's it's not Baroques, don't don't fix fix it. it. But what's so confusing to me is imagine a male strip club filled with Rococo furniture. I don't hate it. That's kind of cool. It's just not what I imagined. No. Any who's it's. This man, Paul, who's now the creator, it's his idea of Chippendales, he is a girlfriend at the time. Her name is Dorothy, and she is trying to be a Playboy playmate. She ends up being Playmate of the Year. And wow. Yeah, but it gets dark. Paul was managing her. Paul saw the bunny costumes that the Playmates wore, oh. and he said, hey, those are kind of cool. He decided to use the cuffs and the collars that the Playboy Playmates wear and put them on the Chippendales dancers. So that's the origin of the Chippendales dancers wearing the the cuffs and the collars for their routines. That was stolen from the Playboy Playmates. Oh, Oh, wow. Dorothy Stratton. She is a looker. She is gorgeous wow. and everyone loves her and she she met a horrible fate. 
Now, one day the police storm Chippendales and they break it up and say that it is an illegal performance. They're rated for nudity and indecent exposure because the women apparently aren't allowed to touch men in an establishment that serves alcohol. Oh, that's like strip. Oh, well, that's why strip clubs don't serve alcohol. I think strip clubs don't serve alcohol. A lot of them don't because of you can't. I know you're not allowed to touch. I think because liabilities. Yeah. Too much. I'm not sure. I know. I'm sure some of them do. But like, well, the strip club I went to in Vegas of that had Melissa. All right. It was fine. It was whatever. (laughs) I've been to it. I've been to a thousand strip clubs. Not a thousand, but. There was like a time where it went. I thought, it, I don't know why. Okay, so there's, because, okay. So they made new rules about not touching the dancers, but something interesting happened. They noticed that the women got excited and kind of horny when the cops got in and raided the performance. Oh, <laughs> Of course they did. Like, ooh, doing something. Oh. Yeah. So this is where the characters came in during the Chip and uh, Chippendales shows. That's Paul was hilarious. like, "Interesting. The women seem to like the cop getup. We should have our dancers be in different costumes when they're dancing for the women." So Great. they introduced a cop costume, a cop character a Zorro character and they changed the name of Chippendales to the world famous Chippendales. Steve had decided early on that it should be a women only audience, but it's illegal to do gender only places. So they got sued. What? This is, this is the beginning. It's like, it's like the wing being sued. Yeah, exactly. Technic. On a technicality, you can't have gender-only businesses. Oh. Also, the neighbors were also complaining because they would find bottles, empty bottles of liquor and condoms and needles on their front on their front lawns. And so there was a lot of noise disturbances and lawsuits stop start poiling. Poiling in. Boiling. <laughs> lawsuits start piling in also of course the police say that the club had the worst overcrowding in any club that they've seen at the time and they start getting overcrowding ordinances as well so it's clearly mismanaged by this paul snyder guy in the attempt to make a lot of money now paul marries dorothy stratton and dorothy becomes playboy of the year but as dorothy's career gets better and better their marriage gets worse and worse Uh oh is he jealous he's the jealous kind paul was previously her manager but when dorothy starts working with playboy and becomes playboy of the year Hugh Hefner kind of takes control of Dorothy's career. Mm -hmm. Hugh doesn't want Dorothy pictured with Paul in any paparazzi photographs or photographs of them at the Playboy Mansion because the allure is that these are single, beautiful women. 
Paul becomes incredibly jealous at her Playboy of the Year function or celebration. Paul is made to sit at a separate table uh, than Dorothy. Paul starts drinking and doing way too much cocaine, starts getting paranoid and angry, and Steve fires him from Chippendales. Oh, no. Paul's life is going in the shitter. As Dorothy becomes more and more uh, popular, of course, Paul gets more desperate, more cocaine, more drinking. Dorothy demands a separation from Paul. One day, Dorothy goes to his house to ask for a divorce, to beg for it. Paul ties her up, (gasps) tortures her for several hours. Oh, my God. Then shoots her in the face. And then kills himself. This is just the beginning of things going downhill for the company and for Chippendales. Jeez. Steve wants to open another location in New York, but first he needs to find a New York partner because Paul is obviously deceased now. So he chooses a man named Nick DeNoya who is a children's TV producer for a show (laughs) called Unicorn Tales. Yeah, makes no sense. So he hires him to produce Chippendales. The previous producer and master of ceremonies and choreographer, Richard, is pissed. He's like, why is this unicorn bro (laughs) taking over my job? They don't get along. Nick changes all the material and Richard ends up getting fired. One night at late night coffee, Nick and Steve are making business plans, catching up, and Nick writes a contract on a napkin saying that he can take Chippendales on the road for perpetuity. Now, Steve, English is his second language. Oh, no. Doesn't know what perpetuity means, and he signs the napkin. Oh, no. That means forever. Yes. So ultimately, he has signed over the rights to Nick for a traveling Chippendale show for the rest of eternity. But Steve, Steve doesn't realize this. And this is the agreement that ultimately leads to the demise of Chippendales. Now... People hate Nick DeNoya. He's apparently mouthy. He's super strict. He's abrasive. He's rude. He also berates Steve in front of all the dancers. Uh, I sent you a clip from the documentary about someone talking about Steve, one of the dancers. I mean, talking about Nick. Nick. Yeah. Nick asshole clip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big diva, a lot of drama. He just went, get in your face over stupid shit. Just so that he could be the A dog. And he liked to, you know, get on these dancers like, you know, they were his little bitches. And, you know, no, don't do that. I'm telling you, to, like, we're not doing cats here, you know, or Hamilton. It's a fucking burlesque show for women. We're not doing fucking cats here. It's not fucking cats here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking burlesque show for drunk ass women. However, under Nick's authority, Chippendales gets huge in the 80s they open multiple locations there's chippendales games there's chippendales calendars and these calendar openings at malls tens of thousands of women show up to get their calendars signed they're huge deals there's 
Chippendales coffee cups, Chippendales playing cards, which I found on eBay last night. And I think I'm going to buy some. There's Chippendales teddy bears. You see that there's the iconic SNL skit about Chippendales. Yeah, they're (laughs) in TV shows. They're in movies. It's not an obscure thing that women go to. It's now part of the cultural zeitgeist. And it becomes a multi-million dollar business. They're racking it in. But as they become more and more popular, Nick starts becoming the face of Chippendales. He's the one who goes on all the shows. He's on Regis and Kathy Lee with some of the dancers. He's on the daytime talk shows. Who's that one woman? Sally, Jesse, Raphael. And he's, yeah, yeah, all those shows. And he's saying, I am the creator of Chippendales. I'll answer questions. Yeah. So Steve and Nick start to have big conflicts about that. They have disagreements about whose show it is versus whose club it is. In the late 80s, also, there's a little bit of a backlash against Chippendales because of evangelicals and family value shit. And the religious right start protesting. You mean narcs? Yeah. Narcs who don't like fun? Yeah, some fucking narcs start protesting out of (laughs) Chippendales. Next thing weird that happens is that several Hollywood nightclubs that also feature male dancers start being vandalized and set on fire. Oh, God. People are wondering, is it the evangelicals who don't like these male exotic clubs? Steve is obviously very concerned about Chippendales, so he hires more security. However, nothing ever happens at Chippendales. Hmm. Oh, they don't get burnt. Nothing ever happened to them. It's just all these other clubs. Yes. Oh. Every, sing- every single other male exotic club gets either burned down or vandalized except for Chippendales. Suspect. Interesting. Interesting. So Steve fires Nick for being too big for his britches and for trying to be the face of Chippendales. And he hires this new dude named Steve Merritt to create a show for L.A. and New York. And the shift is from sexuality to sensuality. But then Mm. Nick comes back storming in with his napkin and says, fine, I'll leave New York and L.A., but I'm going on tour as the original Chippendales. And Steve's like, oh, 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 fuck. Oh, shit. You got me. Oh, crap. Oh, balls. (laughs) (laughs) And the tour was a huge success. You could fit 300 people in a Chippendales nightclub, but... Each tour venue played to crowds of 2,000 people, and they were sold out. Now, Steve is entitled to 50% of the profits of the tour, but he's convinced that Nick isn't giving him the correct amount of money. Steve, at this point, has also started doing cocaine because it's the 80s, baby. And he's paranoid. He starts getting crazy. And Steve and Nick are fighting and Steve's jealousy and suspicion of Nick has reached an all-time high. And then on April 7th, 1987, Nick DeNoia is shot (laughs) on the 15th floor of the Chippendales office in New York. Will Mott, his assistant, is the only witness at the scene He says, a man came into the office, said, are you Nick? 
And Will said, no, he's in the other room. And then the man went into the other room. Will heard a gunshot. Then he heard the emergency exit go off. Will went into Nick's room and he was dead. Oh, shit. I mean, it was Steve. No, was a hitman? You'll see. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon. I am behind on Bigfoot Erotica and Weak and Weird. I'm sorry. I will do it this week and I will catch you up and you'll be amazed at how I'll do it. To get access to rewards, bonus episodes, merch discounts, incredible videos, please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers and insights into our personal life too. Melissa just did a really beautiful video about her IVF journey. So if you ever want to know a little bit more about our personal lives and what we have going on, great way to join too. Also, we are going to start donating um, some of our Patreon money to uh, charitable causes when applicable for our episodes. Um, So if you want to be charitable and have us do it for you so you don't need to worry about where to donate, just donate to us $2 a month and we will donate for you. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will read those on our mailbag episodes and call us. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. And we will play your voicemails. We just love them. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. They couldn't get to the bottom of who killed Nick. The FBI, the police could not figure it out. They couldn't find evidence of who did it. It was so, Steve. 
<laughs> like it's so obvious it's, it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> so they started a forty thousand dollar reward fund to find the killer steve would not donate to it oh, no <laughs> the case went cold when nick died nick's family sold the rights of chippendales back to steve oh so now steve had the touring rights now he had all the rights to Chippendales, so the tour thing was no longer a worry for him. His evil plan is his uh, evil plan is coming to fruition. So now Chippendales is international. They're even in the very polite uh, uh, country of Canada, but still, Steve <laughs> is not satisfied. Chippendales starts to lose their quality and become sort of on factory setting, formulaic. They don't have that X factor. And they need more clientele. So after the show is over, Steve would open the doors to men to come in and to help with the gender discrimination issues that they had faced before with some lawsuits. However, now the the bouncers are racially profiling. And they're not letting black men into the club because they thought that they would, quote unquote, scare off the white women. Oh, God. Then one day, a bouncer doesn't let a black man into the club, and it turns out that he works for the district attorney's office. And so a lawsuit is filed. Whoopsies. Yeah. (laughs) As a result of the several lawsuits filed against Chippendales, they lose their liquor license, and they have to close down their L.A. club. Dang. People start quitting Chippendales dancers. They quit left and right. Things become estranged between Steve and the Chippendales lawyer because the lawyer's like, at first this was fun and cute, but now everyone's suing us and people are dying. (laughs) It's getting weird. So the lawyer quits. Damn. Then somehow things get even weirder. How? How could it get even weirder? So far, there's been a murder-suicide. There's been a murder. An unsolved murder. An unsolved murder. Gender discrimination suits, racial profiling, and somehow it starts to get worse. Two Chippendales dancers leave and decide to join the Adonis dance group in England instead. because, Because of Chippendales... All these other exotic male reviews have started, like Thunder Down Under, you know. Oh, the Thunder Down Under. Which I've been to, and I tried to find a picture, and I couldn't find it. One day, the Adonis Dance Group is doing their show, and mid-show, they're called off stage by the British police. And the British police says that they've been made aware that a hitman (laughs) has been sent over from the U.S. to kill them. What? The dancers? Yes. Oh my God. What? So this man who goes by the name of Strawberry, who I couldn't, who couldn't, I couldn't (laughs) tell whether or not he's in the witness protection program. With a name like Strawberry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was, uh, he's this old man with a real, he lives in the middle of the country, real thick accent, seems like the type of guy who shoots bucks and takes the hide and uses all the meat. He travels a lot for who knows what. 
And in Los Angeles, he meets this guy, Ray Cologne. Ray Cologne? <laughs> Strawberry? Okay. <laughs> I'm just making up the story at this point. <laughs> Is any of this real? Just just creative, creative writing. Uh, I mean, Strawberry. John Doerr. <laughs> it's a Mad Libs. The yeah. Chippendales documentary doesn't even exist. <laughs> I was just reading erotica online. So... Ray and Strawberry become friends. Ray is friends also with Steve Bandry. Ray starts telling Strawberry all these crazy stories. Ray's like, because they, they're drinking buddies. Ray's like, did you know I've set fire to all these clubs in LA? Like, Oh, I have he admitted these, to it. Yeah, I have all these dangerous friends. And Strawberry's like, who is this guy? Like, I picked a bad friend. And then Ray tells Strawberry that he'll give him $25,000 to go to England and inject some male exotic dancers with cyanide in the neck. What? Yes. Strawberry is like, oh my God, this guy is dangerous. If I say no, will he kill me? Will he inject me with cyanide? I don't know what to do. (laughs) So Strawberry says yes, but... He plans that on the car ride to the airport, once Ray drops him off, he'll go into the airport and tell the authorities what's going on. But Ray follows him inside and takes him all the way to the airplane. So he can't do that because that's when you can actually drop someone off at like the terminal. Right. So when Strawberry arrives in England, he trashes the cyanide. He trashes the needles. He thinks about telling the English police, but he doesn't think they'll believe him, which is probably oh, yeah. True. All this cyanide, you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to inject it. Uh huh. Sure, come yeah. with us, buddy. It's male exotic dancers. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, all right, <laughs> strawberry. But he says, you know who will probably believe me? The FBI. So he takes a flight back to Vegas to meet with him. Now, it didn't say this in the documentary, but I read online that apparently Strawberry had been an informant for the Vegas FBI before. So he already had kind of a relationship with them. That makes sense. So obviously the FBI wants proof. They're not just going to believe this bizarre story about (laughs) flying over to England and killing exotic dancers with cyanide. So they have Strawberry call Ray as they tape it. And Ray admits to everything. He even says, maybe you should bonk them in the head with a hammer before you inject them with the cyanide in the neck. Why? Why would you bonk them in the head with a hammer if you're going to inject them with cyanide? So that they don't fight. I guess he wanted him to come from the back, bonk him in the head with a hammer, and then inject him. So I don't like know. Fall, like bonk, fall to the ground, and then... Yeah. Sh- I don't know, Maria. I don't, I don't, I'm I'm not, not I mean, I'm not, you don't have to get defensive about it. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just asking. And I do want to say the more you say the the name strawberry, I really like that for a name. I think it evokes like a pleasantness. It's beautiful. It's really nice name. Strawberries are really like nice name. It reminds me of a Care Bear or a nice rabbit, a a beautiful bunny. Oh yeah, that's a good good rabbit name. Yeah. Bunny. From like Bambi or something. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) Ray is arrested with a huge bond. Ray calls his lawyer and says that he would like to cooperate with the FBI for a lesser charge. He admits to everything and says that the man who hired him to do all this was owner of Chippendale's. Steve Bandry. 
Damn. Uh-oh. We all guessed it. By the way, Ray is a former Palm Springs police officer in a lounge room entertainer. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Fun. he's a jack, jack of all trades. So Ray admits that he hired a man named Louis Rivera to do the hit on Nick DeNoia. He paid him $25,000. He was asked by Steve to do it because Steve was jealous of Nick. Now the police need proof from Louis to show that this is true, but Louis is in jail now from another charge. So they set up Ray with a wire and bring him to jail to talk to Louis under the premise that Louis had left a witness alive and the witness was now harassing Ray, which is not true, but Ray couldn't just show up at, uh, Ray couldn't just show up at in jail and be like hey louie like remember hey when- what's up you want to talk about what's going <laughs> the time on time we killed some <laughs> the time we killed someone <laughs> so in the tape louie admits to everything so now they have that they have ray confessing they have louie confessing now they just need to figure out how to get steve bandry they have a lot of circumstantial evidence but they don't have any hard evidence and they can't get steve to meet with ray So they have Ray just show up at Chippendales one day. Ray tells Steve that he needs money for a lawyer because he's in deep being, you know, attacked and and pursued by the FBI. Steve tells Ray that he will deliver him money to a restaurant the next day. The next day, Steve drops off fourteen thousand dollars. It's it's sketchy, but again, it's not hard, hard evidence and it's not Steve admitting to anything so they need more then steve and ray have a meeting at a hotel and ray is wearing a recording device when he comes out he said that steve refused to talk because he was suspicious of ray so steve just kept writing notes on napkins and then keeping the napkins smart smart smart. yeah i mean he this guy has a real history with napkins but then he has everything written down i know this guy's bizarre get him a notebook like like, just get him a notebook yeah it's crazy he couldn't just well actually texting texting's worst or you know what he should have one of those erasable whiteboards yeah (laughs) yeah yeah erase all the evidence yeah uh steve steve also gave ray forty thousand dollars okay however steve won't talk to ray in america but steve does tell ray that he will talk to him overseas because he thinks the fbi or police or the police can't go there or something or they can't record him (laughs) out of the country yeah i don't know what steve's thought process is but steve is like if we go overseas everything will be fine and we can chat and make up a plan i don't know if that's (laughs) the fbi is like oh my god sure i guess but then we have to take ray who is a criminal overseas and Ray could escape from us. He could oh, claim yeah, that's risky. He could claim asylum, but should we do it? It's the only way to get Steve. So Operation Trust Ray starts Uh-oh. and in February nineteen ninety three they go to Italy because the pasta is great and they have <laughs> a good relationship with the police there. But another problem they find out Steve can't go to Italy without a visa. 
No one oh. did their no one did their homework. It turns out Steve isn't a US citizen. He is oh. still an Indian citizen who has been on a work visa. So <laughs> Steve says to Ray, how about we go to Zurich instead? Oh, Switzerland. Yeah. The <laughs> FBI is like, fuck, we can't just keep taking this felon all around the world. Like, this isn't The Bachelor. What are we going to do? <laughs> but they decide to go to Zurich anyways. They secure three rooms in the city hotel in Zurich. One for Ray and the FBI is on either side and they bug the room. Steve comes to Zurich. Ray calls Steve. Steve refuses to come to the room. Steve. He just wants to meet at a coffee shop. The FBI says Ray can meet him there, but he's got to somehow get him back to the room. And Ray is wearing a disguise because he doesn't want to get caught. He's wearing a beret and a fake mustache. No. (laughs) No. A beret and a mustache. (laughs) And they bug his jacket. So Ray goes into the coffee shop, but that idiot takes off his jacket and throws it on the table next to him. So they can't hear, they can't hear anything. This whole thing is a nightmare. (laughs) They already couldn't get Steve to talk to him in America. They couldn't get Steve to Italy. Now they're in Zurich. They can't hear anything. Steve wouldn't go to the hotel room. Now his jacket's off. And they're like, This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Ray decides to get Steve drunk. I guess this coffee shop probably sold beer. I mean, it's Europe. Steve Steve agrees to go back to the room finally. And Steve admits to it all. And I sent you a clip, I think. The questions that Banerjee asked him were the golden nuggets that we needed for him to incriminate himself. Then why haven't you been arrested? Because I have strong evidence they don't have proof that I give you the money. They don't have a proof I want the gun. They don't have proof I give you his address. They don't have proof of our stuff. That's the reason I don't want to talk to. I don't talk to nobody. I never say anything. So they don't have me on tape. Because whatever you say will come back to lunch. Wasn't the greatest recording. But Steve basically says, like, Ray Ray is like, are you worried that they're going to get you? And Steve's like, no, because they don't have proof that I hired you and they don't have proof that I bought the gun and they don't have proof that I gave you the addresses of all these people. And And they do now. Yeah. And the cops are like, great, we did it. So they arrest they arrest Steve when he gets back to America. Steve pleads guilty. He's awaiting trial. Leo, who killed Nick Denoya, is sentenced to 25 for life. Ray is convicted of conspiracy. His sentence is reduced from 15 to two years. Steve is found dead in his jail cell, fallen victim to suicide by hanging while, while awaiting his sentencing. Jeez. So this is the story of the rise and demise of Chippendales, something I had no idea about. That's so crazy. Crazy. A few few last notes, which I did not know. Apparently, Devine Andrews portrayed Steve in a 2000 television movie called The Chippendales Murder. More excitingly, in 2020, Deadline reported that Dev Patel 
is going to play Steve in a story about his life. So get ready for that. I wanted to ask one quick last question. Maria, I heard a rumor that you have gone to Magic Mike Live. I have. I went for Amanda Lund's bachelorette party. How was it? It was, you know, it was really good. It was, we sat um, up in the balcony. It was like a very, it's a small affair, which is really nice. And they've got like two levels and they make sure every girl gets touched at least once. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Where, where were you touched? Well, I was, um, the man came close to me and got the vibe of this. um, (laughs) This this woman doesn't want it. (laughs) This woman doesn't want it. And he politely, um, you know, moved away back backed away um but it was very you know they gave the girls what they wanted it was a fun time it was a really fun time was amanda yeah. wearing like one of those sashes that said, like, like a penis hat <laughs> i can't remember but it was a vegas bachelorette party for the ages you know it had classiness to it but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun it was a good bachelorette that it was a sounds good bachelorette. great yeah i went to thunder down under once and i remember it honestly being a good time I bet it's a lot of fun. People leave their inhibitions at the door and they just go to town, baby. Yeah, you just got to whoop it up. Anyways, (laughs) if you were a Chippendales dancer, if you uh, have been to Thunder Down Under or Magic Mike Live, or if you just want to tell us something about this or if I probably accidentally said something problematic and you're gonna (laughs) (laughs) about stripping and you want to send a voicemail to us Melissa where can people reach us you can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com awesome anyways I am Allie Strawberry Siegel I am Melissa Cologne Stetton. Nice. And I'm producer Maria Napkins for Days Blasucci. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.